Hey everybody, welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and if it's your first time listening, one, I'm so excited you're here. Like, genuinely, I get so excited when someone shares, no one told me, or um, someone is so so much better for having listened that they wanted someone else to listen. So those things just, they make me want to, want to run some laps if I'm honest with you. So welcome. Here's what we do every week. We want to look back on our experiences. We want to look back on our stories and we want to share them in the hopes that it equips those who are coming behind us in the hopes that it makes someone who feels like they're alone in a season, makes them feel a little less alone because we've all been there, right? We've all sat in those seasons and it's like, how in the world did no one tell me that this would happen? Like this feels like a pretty common scenario, whether you're a first time mom or you're entering the dating game or, you know, you might get engaged, you might not, or you're in a new job. I mean, there's these seasons we all walk through, but we don't talk about them. Well, hopefully here you found a space where you're like, thank goodness, someone else felt this, thought this, said this too. Now, today in particular, it's my friend Ansley. Okay, now let me tell you, I had a a listener reach out and say, hey, I'm working with this girl and I just, I think you two ought to know each other. Um, And so we, we swapped numbers and I jumped on the phone with Ansley. And let me tell you, there are some people that you meet and have conversations with and I think you'll know what I'm talking about. And you're like, this is very easy. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not really working hard at the conversation because let me tell you, I've done a lot of interviews at this point, right? I mean, I've had a lot of a lot of conversations. And I'm one of those people that if it's uncomfortable, even a little bit, I will talk until it's not. And I don't know what's going to come out. But I'm going to keep talking until one of us feels better by it. And usually it's not me. Usually I walk away and I'm like, that person never wants to speak to me again. But anyways, we've had those moments, right? That is not the case with Ansley. I mean, we hit it off from the get go. She was walking. She has a three month old baby. She's a first time mom. Her name's Goldie, this sweet little baby girl. Um, And she was taking Goldie on a walk one day uh, in the stroller. And we chatted for, it's supposed to be 15 minutes and ended up being an hour. Um, So I knew, I knew I had to actually have a conversation with her that we record. Now she's about to release a book in August. It's called Don't Date a Boo Boo Dude, which can you get a better title? I just, I don't think you can. Um, But the way she talks about life in general and her passion for the next generation, for those who are coming behind us, it is contagious. And um, we talk about shame. You know, we talked a little bit about it last week, but this week we really lean into the root of it, why, why we so easily feel it and what we do with it. We also talk about this um, too muchness that we're so often um, branded with. You're too much this, you're too much that. What do you do with your muchness? And Hey, maybe it's okay that you're a little much. Maybe you were supposed to be. Uh, Lots of conversation. We really do. Um, We go several different directions because, you know, your girl loves loves a rabbit trail. Um, But I'm so happy that you are here. I'm so thankful that you stopped by. Make sure you're following us at NOTM Podcast over on Instagram. We have a lot of fun plans coming up in the coming months. And I don't want you to miss any of it. I would be so sad if you missed it. So here's my conversation with my new friend, Hey, how's the beach in April? Tell me, what's the weather like? I'll be honest, I don't recommend it. No, not great. Is no. it cold? It's not the. It's not too cold. It's windy. Oh, is that the so, norm for which beach are you at? I don't know. Um, we're at Orange Beach right now. Yeah, we and we come here. We've gone to Third Yay. We go to Destin. We go just all down that way. But um, we don't typically come at this time. I don't really even know why we did, but. Um, 
yeah, it's the sun's great. So like, we'll do that after I take a shopping. I'll go to the beach, and <laughs> but yeah, it's windy, really bad. Like where we couldn't even go out two of the days. Is this Goldie's first trip to the beach? Yes. Okay. As a mom rolling up to the beach for the first time, I remember all of my moments, Ansley, that I was like, wait a second. This is what requires to go to the beach now is a whole new game, right? So what are your like top picks now that you're like at the end of your first beach trip with your baby who is what, six, six months? How old? Three Three. months. Three months. I remember that now. She's Uh itty bitty. And I love Uh her name. First, I have two questions. First, Goldie, how did you pick her name? I love yeah. that. Um, I don't even honestly remember like the initial part of picking it. I think my cousin may have told me like, oh, I heard about this influencer named her daughter Goldie. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cute. And then Goldie Glenn, my husband's last name is Glenn. Uh, I'm just too lazy to change my name. I have nothing against the last name Glenn. I'm literally just too lazy. It just um, requires a lot. <laughs> a lot of paperwork, a lot of red it really tape. Does. It really does. Um, so I think I just like decided from there. Now, no one liked it but me. Not a single soul that I told. Not my husband, not my mom, not my family, not my friends. Nobody liked it. And then now everybody's on board. Did they tell you that they didn't like it and you were like, too bad? Uh-huh. This is what I'm doing. So you weren't swayed because you're a, you and I are the same. You're an Enneagram too. And when people mm-hmm. tell us they don't like something, we're like, let me change it. Let me do something different. I did. I did. I was really on the fence. Like I was really like, okay, like we had, we didn't name her for the first, like at least 24 hours. Yeah. I think because we were trying to figure out on the list and I was like, guys, I just feel it in my soul. I feel it in my soul. This is right. Her name is Goldie. Our second baby. His name is Hagen. H-A-G-A-N. And uh-huh. we didn't know his name for the longest time. We could not pick on anything. And I really liked Huck, but Ryan, my husband, was very concerned of the playground and like when they did the <laughs> Banana Fana song. Yes. And that's like all he could think about. And so, um, oh, that's funny. And so that got shut down. And so I still was, I wasn't sure of Hagen until I saw him. And then I was mm-hmm. like, that's a Hagen. Like he is supposed to be. Hagen and no one in our family initially really loved the name. They're like, it's just kind of weird. Like we didn't. <laughs> you know, what's so funny is that my cousin's name is Hagen. Really? I love it. I, I love it. I'm not kidding. I will say he's going to constantly have to kind of like with my name being Callie. Everyone always says Kaylee first with him. Everyone's going to be like Hayden and he's going to have, to, yeah. you know, like he's going to always have to be like, no, Hagen. Like I just, mm-hmm. I set him up for that. There, there's a lot to think about in naming your kids. Like you got to think through every scenario of what kids you are sure going to do. do to the name. Are people going to mess it up? It's a lot to think about. So second question, first trip. With the baby at the beach, we're coming up on that time of year. Ansley, what are you telling moms that they have to have if they're taking their babies to the beach? Your diaper bag and an umbrella and your body. <laughs> you did the tent, <laughs> didn't you? I did the tent. I got a big old tent out there. and Big old tent, brought her little chair. I mean, I literally set up a palace yep. in the sand. And where did she want to nap? On me. The whole time. On my body. Yep. Yep, I, I literally only got sun and I'm burnt on one shoulder because <laughs> I was shading her. 
And I couldn't put on sunscreen because she fell asleep right when we got off. You're, de- you're held hostage. You can't. I was like, you can't do anything. Okay. I know. This is what we're doing. Okay. Uh, oh, Why I, did I do the this? The only other thing that we took, because we did the same thing. When we took, we didn't go to the beach with Henley because with my first baby, I was like, we can't go anywhere. We can't. Like, I had such anxiety <laughs> of taking her anywhere. Yeah, um, yeah. And so with Hagen, when we went to the beach, I did all that. I got a wagon. I got like a place for him to play, like a little kiddie pool, and I would fill it with mm-hmm. water. And the only thing that we did that was successful, the wagon, I just walked him up and down the beach. That's all he wanted to do is just like, he was probably like six or seven months. So he was like sitting up at that point, but he yeah. just, he just wanted to walk up and down the beach. That's it. That's funny. And so That's like that. The wagon is a good call. I, I, I will do the wagon next time. And also just, just because you have to take so much junk, you have got to uh-huh. take so much stuff to the beach when you have kids. It is absolutely insane. That's why I told Ryan I want another baby. And he was like, think about the ease with which we can travel right now. Like we don't yeah. need an entire house to go somewhere yeah. like we're fine uh-huh. with just like we can just walk out the door so he's not he's not with me but Ainsley give a little bit like we we've covered you know you, you've had you have your first baby three months old you're navigating that but also your history is kind of with the next generation I mean you've spent a chunk of your life investing in those who are coming behind us like high schoolers college students give us a little bit of that history and how you ended up doing that and why you thought it was so important perfect okay I'm obsessed with the next generation like in the most healthy way for sure but also and when I say obsession I mean it's like a healthy I'm not stalking them it's just like <laughs> right, I <exactly>. like them <laughs> It's just that I'm really invested in them and their future and their thoughts and their self-worth and all that stuff. Um, and I honestly, I got the the calling, I guess, whenever I was 15. And I was sitting in like a school chapel and I heard from the Lord that you're meant to work with youth. And I was like, I'm sorry, I am youth. What are you talking about? And And honestly, it just kind of put me in a leadership role that I assumed and just kept walking in and then I have always been just involved with and with whoever was behind me or I always say that all my work is for the next girl mm-hmm. so whatever the next girl needs that's what I'm going to be talking about or thinking about or um just I- anything like that so that's really kind of the the start of my whole journey with the next girl or whoever's behind me, I just want to guide them well. And because who's behind them are, are, you know, my kids. So Mm -hmm. I want them to guide them well. And if we can just do that, we'll be in a good, good spot. When Um, you, when you got that calling and you knew at like mm -hmm. 15, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. For anyone who's listening and maybe is younger and is just really confident in what they're supposed to be doing or really any age, you know, like you feel really confident, but you're always going to have these moments and people in your life where Mm. it's just like, you can't know that yet. Or that's, you have a whole lot of life ahead of you. You don't know that that's true. Did you experience that? Because I mean, that's, that is young to be sure. Cause I was, I was the same way when I went to college, I knew what I was after. Uh, now it played out very differently, but I knew the path I wanted to be on in those moments mm-hmm. for you though, were you like, okay, maybe this isn't when, when you questioned it, what caused the questioning and what did you do? So uh, everyone around me questioned it all the time up until probably last year, Mm -mm. (laughs) literally 
I'm literally drinking um, water and I just about spit it out because I was ready for you to say up until I was in college and you're like, no, up no. until last year, like I'm up a full grown adult. 30 and, years yes. old, <laughs> 30 years old. People were still questioning. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And the way that I knew that I was sure is that, you know, I've done other things. I've had other jobs. I've, I've tried and I'm like, y'all, I wish the Lord did not put this so heavily on my heart because I would love to have a predictable, normal job that wasn't so invested mm. in other people. I am so invested and I'm so like pulled. It's just, it's like, um, I can't help it. Yeah. I, 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 I wish I could, but I just can't help it. So that's kind of how I just know without a shadow of a doubt is just, I've tried other things. I've tried to get away from it and it's just, there's such a pull there. So, um, yes. And they, <clears throat> people, people will always discourage you because they don't get it if they don't get it. Um, but I think now it's so beautiful because people are starting to see it come into vision and it's mm -hmm. kind of starting to make sense to other people. And they're like, Oh, like, this is what you meant the whole time. Like, mm -hmm. this is what, this is what you're doing. Like, this is what you've been building for the last 15 years. And I'm like, yeah. Well, Welcome. and they see you, they see you in it too. Like what it brings out of you and the fruit right. that is produced from leaning into mm -hmm. what you so fully feel called to. I think that kind of speaks for itself too. If they're like, you're kind of a different person when you're doing this, like you in the, yeah. in the best way you're Right, you're a different right. person. So as you've been able to do it, though, Ainsley, I mean, you said it started at 15. And then you really got to lean into it. in like your mid and late 20s. I'm yep. just for my own curiosity sake, because I love I love engaging with the next generation. I just similar to you. I shared this when we were on a call uh, last week. But all I can think of is like, these are the people that are gonna, that are gonna leave my kids like I have a completely mm -hmm. different perspective of it now like these are the people who yeah. are gonna walk my kids through their hardest seasons um mm -hmm. what what are the questions that they're asking right now what are the conversations that you're having oh like over and over again it feels like it's on repeat I mean relationships isn't that the <laughs> like, truth I don't even know I'm not even that surprised I'm not <laughs> it's literally there could be whenever I was a small group leader we could have a sermon on anything and we're talking about boys yeah immediately as soon as we sit down yeah, and dating and relationships literally all the time, mm -hmm. it's either that or questioning what to do with their future. Those are the two top conversations, but always, always, always dating and relationships. Number one. I've noticed a lot, especially when it comes to these conversations with related relationships and more so my engagement with college students more so than um, high schoolers, but how much their decisions are shaped by shame and by like past decisions. Yeah. And um, they will share, you know, you build these relationships and there's this willingness to share. And I lived a pretty like sheltered life now that I look back mm -hmm. and think about it, especially when it came to relationships. I mean, I couldn't date till I was 16 and then I had one boyfriend and then I started dating my husband. So like the most sheltered. Yes. Whoa. I know. I, <laughs> I had one boyfriend for three, three or four months. And then like uh, six months, a year later, I started dating my husband and that was it. And so I'm like, That's so thing ever. I'm just so ill-equipped though for like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, but I would sit down with these college students and still now, 
and develop these relationships and they will share their heart. My heart aches for them because I'm like, yeah, it's hard to to find a way through the shame to the other mm-hmm. side. So how how are you having the conversations that lead to light to clarity without letting shame play the bigger part? Let me tell you, that is my mission mm-hmm. is to have these conversations over and over and over and over and over. And the number one, I guess, sticky statement that I always bring them to is that there's no shame in the throne room. You are going to find comfort. You're going to find care. You're going to find restoration. You're going to find joy and peace and everything that you've been searching for in these places that have brought shame. Mm. That's where you're going to find it. There's no shame in the throne room. So as soon as you walk into the throne room to communicate with the Lord, you're able, you, you're allowed and you're able to let it go so he can properly communicate to you what he's been trying to tell you mm. that you may have had headphones on or earmuffs o- over your ears that he has been trying to say, you know, you're my child. You are called. You are worthy. There's a purpose for your life. I want nothing but good things. I'm for you. I'm not against you. Like all of these things, it, it gets so hard to believe whenever shame becomes the white noise mm. of our stories. And as soon as you walk into that throne room, all of that stops. Mm-hmm. And that's the the thing that like, I, I'm, I need you to get here in the throne room with me so we can accept what the Lord has for you, let shame go and move forward in confidence. Mm. But in order to get there, there's some, some undoing you may have to do some belief. You may have to step into some um, healing. You may have to process a little bit more, but if we can just get you to the point where you are able to hear God's voice, um, you're able to shed the shame and move mm. forward. You know, I, I love what you just said at the end of like, there's going to be some undoing that you have to do. There's mm-hmm. going to have to be some new beliefs that you have to walk through. I was walking through the neighborhood uh, with a friend of mine. I love walks. I'm just, I'm a walker and a talker. Like I love those two yeah. things together. Right. Um, <laughs> Me too. But she and I were walking and we were talking about um, kind of these uh, thoughts that we have that start young and then you keep thinking them, you keep thinking them and you have these like, Uh, roads through your brain and you're constantly traveling the same roads over and over again. And every situation, these thoughts have shaped your perspective. And so every perspective Mm -hmm. is the same, right? And what a deep and wide and long road that shame creates that you find yourself Mm -hmm. walking up and down all the time until you shift and pivot those thoughts, like actively and intentionally change those thoughts. And I wish that I had learned that in my 20s. I wish that I had learned how easily you can start making decisions out of thoughts that are not true. Um, And and out of like the shame that you're living in and you're making decisions out of. Because if the first step isn't to undo the shame and to heal that shame, then you're making decisions out of the shame. And Mm -hmm. your next step is it's a decision made out of sin. And so then what does it lead to? It leads to more sin. And I just wish I had noticed and learned that pattern so much sooner in my life than I did, because I'm in my 30s before I I figured that out. But how has shame guided decisions for you personally? Like you look back and you're like, I can see how that even played out in my own life. I wish I had made different decisions. Yeah. Oh my gosh, a million of those. There's a million decisions that I made out of shame for sure. And I think the the number one thing it had me doing was settling, mm-hmm. whether that was in a job because uh, I didn't think I deserved more or I felt lost because I was trying these other jobs, knowing that I wasn't going to fit into them, right? Knowing they weren't the passion. 
of my heart. So either settling in work or settling in relationships. And I, I found that I was settling one, like with one thing at a time, I guess, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, I'm in high school or early college made my like dream husband list. Like my church oh, yeah. always. If you, if you grew up in church, you made this list, you made this exactly. list of like everything your husband had to have. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I found myself, you know, dating guys who were initially just one thing, one box was missing. Well, then two boxes were missing. Well, then three boxes were missing. Well, then four boxes were missing. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. I landed in an abusive relationship wondering how I got there. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this, this settling was such a theme in my life. And, um, that's kind of how it, it, it guided me. It wasn't like one big thing. It was just little bits chipping away at a time. So all of that undoing, Oh, it takes a while, but it was so incredibly worth it. Mm -hmm. So incredibly worth it. I think we want it to be like a couple of day kind of thing, you know, like, okay, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm I'm changing it. I'm I'm shifting it. I'm different now. Why am I still waking up with this same thought? Like, why am I not? Mm -hmm. But that's why scripture says like, take that thought captive. Like Mm -hmm. it it is a practice. It is a discipline of when you, First, you just have to recognize the thoughts, right? And then you start the practice of taking those captive. But you talked about realizing, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. I had all these boxes and eventually like no one's checking any of the boxes off. Yeah. And so you have to flip. Eventually they're just breathing. Yes. Eventually like, they're check. just there and you're of the age that you're ready to get married and you're like, all right, we're set. Let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you talk about raising your standards and kind of realizing your worth which I feel that for sure in the dating game. But honestly, I think we feel that in every season, right? Like we, yeah. we slowly lower our standards. We lower what we think we're worth. And I mean, you said it, whether it's with a job, whether it's with a relationship, whether it's in a, in a already lasting relationship, like existing yeah. relationship as moms, all of these things, friendships, yeah. all of it. So this need to kind of, I know that I suffer from this need to explain myself, right? To make myself a little bit smaller, to make excuses. I mean, you and I have very similar personalities and the amount of times yes. the feedback I get is you're just a little too much. Like you're just, mm-hmm. you're coming on mm-hmm. a little, right? You're coming on a little too strong. And I'm like, okay, let me scale back. Let me be smaller and make some excuses. Why do you think that's so easy and really common for women to do? Yeah. You know, I want to, I want to touch on what you just said, um, about being too much. I have, that has been such a, uh, shoot theme in my life, I guess. And growing up in the church, I always tried, you know, we're haunted with like pantyhose and sleeping in in pews. And I always tried to fit into the narrative that I was told a Christian woman was, which was meek, submissive, passive, almost. That's what I kind of was taught. And then when I started reading the Bible, I'm like, are you kidding me? What? Like, <laughs> we have, you know, Deborah, the, the female judge and yep. judge. Yep. And like, we have powerhouse females. The a female is the one who carried the son of God and brought him into the world. And ain't nobody quiet about that. <laughs> okay. So whenever I realized that there were loud women in the Bible, I was like, oh my gosh, like, Finally, mm. finally, I don't have to explain myself. Finally, I can be loud about these things. 
but historically, you know, women have been seen as smaller, less important. And that's what I think is interesting that you never see that from Jesus. Right. You never see that. You see the honor. You see this woman with the talons. You see this woman washing his feet and how he honors them mm-hmm. and how he, he cares for them and loves them so well. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. I feel like that's a permission slip for us yeah. to walk in our honor, walk in our identity with him. Because society has told us so many things. Jesus never told us that. Mm-hmm. And he He gives us honor and he gives us confidence. And it's 2022. It's time we walk in that. Can you, can you imagine? I just think it's such a valuable perspective and a viewpoint to take of you don't always have to make yourself smaller. You don't always have yeah. to um, explain yourself and explain why it's okay that you're showing up like this, especially when it's mm-hmm. on behalf of the kingdom and the work that you're doing is not destructive, but edifying. Like there's just a very real difference right. that you have to have a self-awareness right. in how you're showing up. Absolutely. Like, I think it's one of the yeah. highest markers of any leader is this ability to be self-aware of how you are being perceived and how you are showing up to any room. But just this, I know I struggle with it so much. I do. I, I back off really fast the moment yeah. that it feels like someone's thinking I'm too much. And that mindset of you don't have to be ashamed of that. You don't have to be because guess what? God gave you that thread when he wove you together. This like what everyone else defines as too muchness. Guess who put that in you? Like guess who, right? Right. Who built you that way? I'm also curious though, you know, talking about the shame concept. Um, I want to back up just a second because you're also an Enneagram coach. So yes, you know, and one of the things that equipped me as a leader was an understanding of the Enneagram, not to define mm-hmm. people by any means, no. but mm-hmm. to know how to lead them well. Um, right. I had that conversation in my small group this week. There's another girl who's stepping into a leadership position. And I said, the best thing I did was I understood how I needed to approach things with other people, like yes. how they need, how I need to, to present information to them in a way that they receive it and they want to receive the feedback and not just buck up at it. And that was the, yep. the Enneagram equipped me to do that. Um, but just out of curiosity with shame and the Enneagram, how do, how does each number respond to these feelings of shame? Cause I'm sure it's different for each one. It is. It is. So there's actually one triad of the Enneagram that, that actually struggles with shame the most. Yeah. So you're going to find different responses, sure, of all the numbers, but this one triad is going, it's going to be most affected by it. And that's the two, three, four triad. That's called the heart triad. Mm-hmm. So those other triads might struggle with it here and there, but you're really going to feel the gravity of it if you're in that two, three, four heart triad. So the number one thing that, you know, you want to tell those people is to work on yourself before focusing on the needs of others. Mm-hmm. And for an Enneagram too, you know, that means like you need to make sure that your needs don't have to come last. You need to learn that about yourself. Like you do not have to put your needs last. You know, it's the idea of pouring from an empty cup. You need to make sure you are full so that you're able to pour out. Mm-hmm. And then the Enneagram three, one of the things for them to break free from that is, you know, embracing failure and vulnerability. Let that be a part of your just regular day-to-day work that you're doing in in life. And then of course, like for Enneagram four, becoming self-aware to prevent overreacting or saying things you'll regret. Like those are, those are good navigational tools for them to Mm -hmm. um, step out of the shame and move forward in confidence. 
I'm um, so surprised to hear the three in that. I mean, you and I have laughed about this, but sometimes I don't want to tell anyone I'm a two because it's like, it may, it feels weak. It feels like like the weakest number on the Instagram yeah. sometimes. Like yeah. the way it's like talked about and what you struggle with, you're like, I don't want people knowing that. Like it, right? <laughs> yeah. The three, I'm so surprised that they struggle with emotions in general because they're so mm-hmm. like, we're going after it and like no holds bar, like whatever it takes, we're doing it. So that really is, that's surprising to me to hear that. Well, and that shame enters when failure happens sure. for them. Yeah. That's, that's that. Like I'm, I'm running, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. But, but, but it's also like, what if I fail or what are people going to think of me? What is going on here? Like, what would I think about myself if I fail? Am I going to disappoint myself? Am I going to disappoint other people? It's all of those things that uh, shame really, um, speaks the loudest to Enneagram threes in that kind of world there. Oh, that makes so much sense. Okay. So we got to connect over a book that's coming out in August. That made me laugh out loud when I was sent the title, (laughs) but it is, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I only remember one part of it that I loved. Don't date a boo-boo dude. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay. Don't date a boo-boo dude. And I was like, is that not so honest and real? Like, just don't, (laughs) but you've written this book, Ansley, just about your self-worth. And I just, if I could put it in the hands of every high school and college girl, but knowing your worth, setting your boundaries, kind of raising your standards. Uh-huh. you've written an entire book about it. How, but yeah. I want to lean into practically because we hear that a lot of our lives, right? Like know your standards, raise them. But when it comes to actually keeping them in seasons of disappointment and seasons of shame and seasons of yep. like, I'm just ready for this to be over. How do you practically raise your standards and realize your worth day to day and create those boundaries? Yes. Oh, best question ever, because that's what we need to be talking about all day, every day. <laughs> we need to <laughs> know the how. With, it's fine that you want us to do it. How do we do right, it? Yes. Right. <laughs> Especially with so many question marks about so many different areas swirling around. So, okay. So obviously like the big picture is finding our identity in Christ. Like that is, as soon as you can look in the mirror and see a child of God, versus all the insecurities that you're used to picking apart on a day-to-day basis, like that you've created habits with, it will be easier. Mm -hmm. You will be, you know, the more work you do, the easier it becomes to understanding your identity in Christ. But what is that work? Mm -hmm. Is that that question that uh, I believe you're asking? And A, maybe it's counseling. Maybe it's understanding a little bit more uh, about yourself with verbal processing with someone else. Maybe that's it. Maybe you're looking into the Enneagram. That's what really helped me. It helped me understand who I was and who God made me to be and actually find love for that person, mm-hmm. you know, and be like, wow. Even though sometimes I'm like, I hate being a two. <laughs> Why do I have so, to be this way? Yes. Yes. Sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, why did you do this, Lord? Back out, other back times out. I'm like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> other times I'm like, I have such a heart for people. And I'm so thankful for that. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for that gift because it really is a gift sure. that I was given to have such a heart for, for other people that you also have. So um, counseling would be a great thing. Look, getting in good community. What I mean by good community is I mean someone older than you is somewhere in that community mm-hmm. helping guide you. A mentor would be phenomenal if you can uh, find a mentor. But look, I, I know your friends give advice. I get it. And I always good advice. Look, 
whenever you're all like in the mud together, you just it's trying to pull each other out. Everybody's trying to get it. out. Everybody's trying to get yeah. out of it. You know, you're, you're a mess. You're a mess. Okay. And with all due respect, you know, nothing whenever you're in high school. Is, and I speak college. of myself in that as well. Okay. I know nothing when I'm in it. Yeah, exactly. Me too. So finding someone older than you that can help guide you in this life, generally speaking, but mainly in your identity in Christ, that would be amazing. So counseling, finding a good community, someone older than you, a mentor, something like that. Honestly, spiritual disciplines. I know that we don't really uh, say we, we don't always get a good idea of what that looks like, or maybe we were taught what that looks like in a certain way, and we're not sure how to make it fit into our lifestyle, right? So one of the things is, okay, you need to read your Bible every day. That's what I was taught growing up. You need to read your Bible every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, but I... I struggle sitting down to read. Okay, that's like, I think we take that literally and we're like, okay, what does it actually look like in my life? So I yeah. use the audio audio book and I take walks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like like you were talking about with walking earlier. I've, I take that discipline and I put it in my life in a practical way that yes. makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. That way it's attainable, but it's also just natural. Mm-hmm. It's something that just naturally happens. Okay, let's talk about prayer. Well, I'm a very visual learner. I'm, I'm, and I don't want to feel like I'm talking to space, right? Yes. I want to actually hear from the Lord. Okay. Well, if I'm a visual learner, I'm going to imagine myself in talking to God. Mm-hmm. I'm going to actually imagine myself, put the pictures together in my head. Where, where is this place? What does this look like? What does God look like? What are we talking about? Da, 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 all that stuff. And it, it wasn't until I got into that space, which I now call, you know, I'm called the throne room. That's yeah. where I go. Mm-hmm. That's where I found my way. Um, it wasn't until I found that space that I could actually hear the Lord speaking to me. Mm-hmm. I saw him raise me up or pick me up. I saw him literally one time I went into the throne room is what I call it. And he took off this halo of dust and shrapnel and like all this gross stuff. And he replaced it with a gold one. And the power of that moment and the testimony that that moment brings is so powerful to me. And it was just a moment of prayer. Yeah. Yep. Like that's that's what it was to mm-hmm. me. So taking those those uh, spiritual disciplines, making them actually work in our day-to-day lives so it's, it feels more natural. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, community and all of those things that I was talking about earlier, walking in those will help you understand your worth and you're going to be like i don't have time for settling i don't have time for shame Mm -hmm. i'm in the throne room there's that's not even welcome here i can't do it i'm i'm made for a purpose and there's a calling on my life so i have to go now Mm -hmm. yes i gotta go well and even you you think i have a friend who she always says the phrase i don't receive that and so she talks about her thoughts a lot and how she'll have this thought and she was like i don't receive that i am not it's Uh her way of taking the thought captive right yeah Um, yeah. and i love how she talks about that but and she shared that in um, a community group one uh one night but speaking on community and leaning into that just real quick ansley like you've moved lots of places i'm curious How do you, people are hungry for it. They want that community that you're talking about. They just don't know how to get it. They don't even know the first mm-hmm. step. That's true. How, yeah. In your experience, kind of what are just real quick, some things that you're like, hey, when you're looking for community, here's just some some quick tips of how to seek it. Yeah. Um, go places alone. 
don't be afraid to start conversations with strangers. Not alone in like a sketch. Don't go to a sketchy place alone. You know, like don't (laughs) walk into the bar and be like, this is where I'm going to find my community right now. (laughs) Belly up, everybody. Who's with me? Yeah, Yeah, zero out of 10 recommend that. (laughs) But I like whenever I moved, so I've moved to Houston, Nashville, LA, New York, um, and now currently live in Louisiana. But I would just go places alone and I would start conversations with people and it just kind of dominoes mm-hmm. into your community. Um, I tried out different churches by myself. I tried out community groups by myself and there were some places that I felt like I felt fit right in the puzzle and that wasn't often on the first try. Yeah. You know, that you just have to keep keep going and keep showing up and being okay to be alone yeah. because the truth is the reason that we don't want to be alone a lot is because we feel like people are watching us or looking at us funny. And I'm like, look, people are too worried about themselves. Okay. They do not. They, ain't they are about thinking you. the way that they you're thinking. You. Like I, tr- I promise you they are thinking, and you know what? The number one thought they have is themselves. Like that's for all yeah. of us. Truthfully. Like yeah. we think about ourselves a lot. And I mean, that's, mm-hmm. we, that's just the truth. So that's I think what that's, you're doing when you're worried about people watching yes, you. You're exactly. About people it's about just yourself. such a valid point that they're not really looking and thinking about you. They're too busy thinking about yeah. other stuff. Yeah. That's so yeah. good. And, uh, and that actually also reminds me of, the idea of whenever you're searching for community, I wanted to tie it back a little bit earlier about being too much because a lot of times whenever you're trying to fit into community, you you kind of mute yourself to see, do I fit in here? Should I mute myself? Should I show up as I am? Mm-hmm. And I would just say right out the gate, always show up as you are, always show up as you are. Um, in, in our note about being feeling like we're too much, Elise Myers is a TikTok girl I'm obsessed with her I love, I love so her cute. and I almost bought a sweatshirt saying what I think you're about to say <laughs> the, the receive that one or the the one um what does she say she says go find less go find less like yes, if I'm too much go find less yes if I'm too much go find less yes I that's I actually want to get that um but she says that and she says that I she has the sweatshirt that say I don't receive that or I receive that mm-hmm. so she should just join us on a, I know. I just think it's time. We've just got to, but she's also <laughs> talked about on some of her more serious posts, she talks about how hard it was for her to get to that point. So like yeah, to think you're going to show up one day and not feel that that's mm-hmm. not really the truth of any situation. The truth of it is mm-hmm. you discipline and train your thoughts and your heart based yeah. on truth, not based on the thoughts of yourself that you're always thinking because yes. nine times out of 10, those thoughts aren't true. Those thoughts aren't anything to build anything off of. Right. And so that's one of my big, like, why didn't no one tell me this sooner that like my thoughts were going to be like this and I can do something about it. But if, if we flip it to you, Ansley, you look back, what's, what's something you wish someone would have told you sooner? There's so many things. Oh man. It's not even, I haven't lived that much life, but there's still so much that I should have figured out way sooner. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So one thing that somebody told me uh, when it came to my career, right, because I had I had learned this calling whenever I was 15 and I felt like it took a lifetime to get to where I've been trying to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I was like 25 or something. I think I was around between 23 and 25. I don't remember. And somebody told me, give it 10 years. Huh. And I was like, are you? kidding me that's a lot of years part of it's a lot of years 
So part of me was like, are you kidding me? The other part of me was like, oh, I can breathe. Yeah. Like, give it 10 years. Whatever you want to do, whatever your goal in life is, whatever your dream is, give it 10 years. Because you, you're building something. Yeah. You're building something. And right now is just the foundation. So um, imagine what it will look like in 10 years. It's going to be amazing. But you have to give it. And obviously, it may not take 10 years. Yeah. It may not. But the idea of, and it may take a little bit longer, but the idea, it was almost like a permission slip to fail Mm -hmm. as much as possible in the next 10 years. Keep trying, but keep showing up. Keep trying. Keep, I, when you initially said 10 years, I was like, my gosh, like I just that, but it's similar. And then you look back. Yes. And you're like, it's been 10 years. It's been 10 years. And it's that (laughs) actively like choosing to show up, even if you just have a little, you know, I was reading in John six this morning when Jesus feeds the 5,000. And it is mm-hmm. so funny because Philip and Andrew, Jesus turns to Philip first and is like, he sees the crowd coming. He's sitting with his disciples and he sees the crowd coming. He turns to Philip and he's like, where can we go to buy food for these people? And Philip's like, we don't have enough money to buy them all food. Like, why are we, why are we like, he doesn't even answer Jesus's question. He's just like, we're not going to do that. And then yeah. Andrew pipes up and is like, um, we don't even have enough food to do that. Like there's not a chance. And then he says, there's a guy, there's a kid who has loaves and fishes, but that's not enough. Like Andrew. And I'm like, he over here talking to Jesus. Like, you don't know. Literally. Yeah. And so it's kind of like Jesus is like, all right, let me show you something. He doesn't even respond to them. He turns around and is like, give me the loves and fishes right now. And then he's like, everybody sit down. He literally is like, okay, everybody sit down. <laughs> so everybody sits down and Jesus feeds all of them. I mean, if you grew up in church, you know how the story ends, right? Like he mm-hmm. feeds everyone off of those just few loaves and fishes. And, and then he turns to the disciples and this is, I never noticed this, Ainsley, but he turns to the disciple and he sees like, okay, go get the loves leftovers because we don't want to waste any it's like he's saying do you see what I just did he doesn't answer their questions he doesn't make a big point out of it he doesn't say in conclusion let me tell Uh you what I can do he's just like hey go pick up all the leftovers because we don't want to waste it right like I can just see him with like a smirk being like we don't want to waste right we got to get on that and I just it was such a moment for me this morning that I think I have to bring so much to the table right like I think if I'm thinking about that 10 year I'm like, gosh, I got to bring it all to the table now. I got to do, and I want it now because we live in a culture of now and we live in a culture Mm -hmm. of like, gosh, let make this a big deal. Let me make this a big deal. And Jesus is like, give me a little bit. Just give me a little bit. That's all. Cause I only gave you a little bit to give. Like if you could do it all yourself, then you would not need me. Like I would not be a part of this story at all. And so he's like, give me what you have and sit down. Just sit down and watch what I can do. Right. And (laughs) I was just like, Philip and Andrew looking like fools out here. I'm not going to look like a fool. I'm going to be like, here you go, Jesus. I know you can do something. I know. (laughs) I know you can do something. Um, But the 10 years, it is that breath of fresh air. I've never heard that piece of advice that like, hey, just go after it and know that tomorrow you're not going to wake up and it's all going to be figured out. But right. every day is an experience that you're going to learn from. And then you're going to show up the next day more informed, more prepared, and you can carry on. I love that. Okay. Yeah. We end every show with one question and people love it or hate it. I don't know. It goes either way and it can be anything. <laughs> what is one thing that you are so happy that someone did tell you about? Okay. So I grew up with a single mom and it was, it was really just she and I for a lot of my life. Yeah. And I was attacked to her at the hip. Like I went everywhere with her. I did everything with her. I went to like literally, so she was 22 and she had, me. Oh wow! so she was literally like in grad school whenever I was 
I don't know, four or five years old, she would include me in her school projects just so she didn't have to get a babysitter. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And the one thing that she taught me that, well, I mean, she taught me a million things, but the one thing that I always want to encourage other people is to go, to travel, to explore, to move to a new city. You know, that's how you get to know who you are. What do you like? What do you dislike? Um, what, what, what is just you without anyone, any other influence? Who are you without anybody telling you who you are? Um, and that was so powerful because, you know, I, I hear so many college students or young adults post-grad be like, oh, I really just want to move to the city. Like, I really want to move to this new city. And I'm like, go. Then do it. Especially go. in that season of life. Like, you got Especially no strings attached. Like, Go and do no kids, yes, no dog. Prop. Well, you yeah. also don't get a dog. Don't also, get, don't a dog. get a dog in college. Y'all, you think you yeah. want it? Don't do it because it's just like having don't a kid. You can't go anywhere. It's just mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You need to go home. You can't. You need to go home and go feed the yes, dog. Yes, you, you got to go the let dog the dog out. out. You got yes, I can, all yes. the time. Don't yes. do it. Go travel, explore, under find out who you are outside of any other influence, mm. and move to a new city. If you feel like the Lord is calling you to a new city, go to the new city. Go oh my gosh, it. it's not the end of the world. It's really not that big of a deal. You can always go home. Yes, you can always, exactly. You can always retract. We think we can't go back. We think we cannot mm-hmm. be like, you know what? This was not the best decision that I made. So I'm going to, I'm going to reset. It's like, we think we're not allowed to hit the reset because of shame. Let's circle it back. Let's put a bow on it because yeah. we feel ashamed that maybe yeah. that wasn't the best decision. Maybe I got it wrong. Okay, so what? What are you going to do now? What's your next step? What are you going to move? How are you going to move through that? Right. And let me, on that note, there's so many college students or post-grad that feel shame moving back to their hometown if they went out of state or if they moved yeah. or something. I don't know where that came from. I'm, I'm going to be honest because when by us, we moved from Houston uh, most recently to my home state. I never thought I'd live back in my home state. I never thought I would be uh, just an hour from my family. Um, but, it, and, I, and I think in the world's mind, it's like, oh, you went home? Well, first of all, who cares if I go home? Yeah. I to worry about, you don't need to worry about if I go home. Why are you worried about Second if I go of home? All, <laughs> yeah. Second of all, my career has propelled since being at home. Uh, and I couldn't tell you why. I just know that that's what the Lord, where the Lord placed us. Yeah. And that's in that act of obedience. He is still moving forward, which tells us that what our minds are too small. His power is so big. We just can't wrap our mind around it. And to not limit him, just like you're talking about with the loaves and fish. Like, who are we to say that going home is a step back? Mm-hmm. We don't know that. We don't. You don't know that. Mm-hmm. It's been ten steps forward for me. Yeah, that's so it's good. Been awesome. And it is. It. It's. You don't know what's on the other side of that obedience. And a lot of times mm-hmm. you don't. You don't lean into obedience because you're scared of of what is on the other side. But yeah, there. I mean, read through scripture. There is not a moment that God has not blessed obedience. Like there is not. Right. There in ways that you didn't think about, in ways that you didn't imagine, because we're only ever imagining the downside. We're only ever thinking yes. about like this could happen or this could happen. It's yep. all those could be's that keep us right where we're at. And then we're like, why don't I feel like I'm growing? Why don't I feel like I'm, I'm doing mm-hmm. anything? Well, probably cause you're really comfortable. Like probably cause you're like, you're staying in your own little safe area and you're not doing anything. Yep. Yeah. That's so, and even I have a friend who um, she made in 2022 in the season she's at, she's single, she's living in Nashville. She made a list of a hundred things that she is going to do 
that she never would have done before. So it's kind of like your go mentality of just try things like just that is how you figure out what you actually like to do, what you want to lean into doing and the kind of person that you want to be. It comes from just trying things. So I'm listen, I'm all for it. Now I've only ever lived in the same city in the same part of the city my whole entire life. So you might not want to believe me, but I I, I mean it. You can believe me. (laughs) Believe Ansley. She's gone and she went. I never felt called to leave my city. But if you do, just call Ansley. And speaking of, if they want to reach out to you, if they want to talk to you, if they want to follow you, tell them where they can find you and then tell us um, when the book is coming out and how we can pre-order because pre-orders are open right yeah pre-orders are open available now if you are dating or your friend is dating or your mom's dating or anybody's <laughs> dating get a book yep, okay get it get one for everybody in your life um it's they're on amazon right now don't date a booba dude and it comes out august 2nd officially so that's whenever you will like actually get the physical book, but there's going to be pre-order bonuses opening up uh, like a month before. So just hold on to that order number and you can drop it in and you'll get all kinds of amazing bonuses that I'm working my tail yes, off on. This is your first so, book, right? First book. This is my first uh, uh, traditionally published traditionally book. Traditionally published book. I self-published my first book called Hearts and Rockets. It's a devotional um, so hearts and rockets is already available. And then, um, don't do the boo boo dude will be my second, technically my second book, first traditionally published book. So I'm yeah. very excited about that. Yeah. Um, so it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, those kinds of places. And then Instagram, I'm at Ainsley B and my website is AinsleyBritton.com. Also the books are there. I cannot cheer for you louder. A listener actually sent Ansley's name to me and is like, Hey, you need to know her. Can I connect you all or whatever? And I think we're a little bit the same person. Like I think a hundred percent, a little bit, we are the same. (laughs) So I cannot encourage you enough. Jump over, check it out. Um, Pre-order that book. Guys, pre-orders are such a big deal. I don't, if you're not in the publishing Mm -hmm. world, you probably don't know. Um, But anybody that you love or anyone that's doing like just good kingdom work, when you pre-order their book, like you are propelling it out into the world for them because pre-orders, all decisions for in-store purchases, everything else is made based on pre-orders. So I cannot encourage you enough. Hey, go pre-order. Don't hate a boo-boo, dude. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Ansley, Don't do thank it. you so much for carving out time and your beach stay to hang out with us. Of I'm, course. I know you're going shopping, so I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you get to your shopping because that seems like our next top priority. <laughs> I'm just going to close <laughs> Thanks so much, <laughs> Thank you.